Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of Talking Sports with Evan. Thank you for watching and listening to the broadcast here today. Apologize for going earlier than I initially anticipated, but with the weather uh, scheduled to come through a little bit later, I wanted to get the show done because with, you know, anytime you have the weather that you're talking about, you never know if you're going to still have power or not. So I want to get the show in and um, finish it off before any of those storms hit my part of the state. So for those that are in the path of the severe weather right now, uh, you know, please stay safe. And those that are expecting it, just, you know, keep an eye on what's yet to come. So today's show, I'm going to be talking um, Packers, family night takeaways, training camp uh, thoughts, and then the first preseason game is coming up on um, Saturday night, which I won't be able to personally watch live, but I will follow up with it later on as I have a football game to broadcast myself. I'm going to talk some Milwaukee Brewers and why it's okay not to panic because they lost two or three from the Giants. I think it's actually not a bad thing. I think it can actually come back to help the Brewers later on. Um, Talk about the Cubs series, which started today as opposed to yesterday, and the Pirates coming up this weekend and my thoughts. And can Yelich somehow get it going finally? And is Willie Adamas a legit MVP candidate? Um I I believe nobody has ever won the MVP after being traded um, from one team to another um, in a um, full season. And then I'm going to talk some Milwaukee Bucks as well. P.J. Tucker moves on to the Heat, but give my thought on why, even though, you know, P.J. Tucker played a huge role with this team this season, I think the the Bucks are still in position to uh, be even better next year. For some uh, for reasons, which I'll get into um, later on in the show as well. But before I do get going, I do want to apologize for not doing a show last week. Um, was planning on it, but just wasn't in the mindset to do it. So you know, I I love talking sports, love being able to have a platform that I can talk sports. But last week, I just kind of wasn't feeling it. It was feeling more like a job than something I enjoy doing. And I just needed to take a, a week off. Um, figured, you know, what the what's you know what the hey, just take a week off and come back strong this week, which I'm doing here today. So again, I do apologize for starting the show early for those that want to watch live. Um, or wanted to watch live, but can't now because I started too early. So first of all, I'm going to start out with some Packers, and I also want to get your thoughts. Um, what are your thoughts on um, family night? Um, and the Devin Funches uh, controversy, and the the family night itself. So you can we welcome the comment in the comments if you're watching this live. Um, comments do show up for me. Um, I can I can see them. So if you have any comments or questions you want to ask, feel free. You can also follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports, as you see on the screen and on the bottom ticker. So here's the big thing with family night. First of all, with the weather, you know, there were a lot. It probably wasn't the full family night that we all were expecting. And, you know, I think I think I need to go to family night more often because it seems like every year there's always a threat of weather at family night. About a handful of years back, I was able to go to Packer family night. And surprise, surprise, the weather is perfect. It was hot, but no rain. They were able to get it off without a hitch. The fireworks went off without a hitch, and they didn't have any weather delay. 
but it seems like every year there tends to be weather delays. And if you are watching this live, what were your thoughts on family night? Um, what, what are your takeaways um, on family night? So obviously Packers had, um, obviously the, the Packers had, um, 35,000 fans, uh, cram Lambeau field to watch, uh, Packer football, um, with live fans. You know, I guess if you want to count the NFC championship game when they had limited capacity, um, but I just want to kind of get your thoughts of the night. Um, what, what was your biggest takeaways? What did you like? What did you dislike? And while I wait for you to comment, I'm just going to kind of go into my takeaways and my big takeaways is there's not a lot to take away from it. Um, it's basically, it's a glorified scrimmage. Uh, yes, I would go if I could. Um, I haven't been able to go most recently. Um, do, well, last year there wasn't one, but I also volunteer with a local semi-pro team in the area and we have our games typically at the same time as family night. So I haven't been able to get go, to be able to go. Cause I, you know, I have other commitments, but with family night, it's, it's what it says. It is. It's family night. It's a t- to have fun to watch free, you know, uh, you know, free is not the right words, $10 to get in, but watch, you know, experience Lambeau field. A lot of people that are there experience it probably, don't get to experience it much during the regular season as, you know, tickets are hard to come by, but, you know, I did, you know, I did like the fact that we were able to get some football back and the first test for the Packers will be Saturday. I know it's preseason. Um, I get that, but that will be their first test. Jordan Love was announced today. will get, um, he will get the majority of the snaps. Um, he will he will start the game and get most of the snaps. Um, my question: Are you okay with um, Rogers not really playing this preseason? And why? Um, you know, are you okay with Rogers not playing this preseason? I'm perfectly fine with it if he doesn't get a snap in any of these three games because we saw last year that he doesn't need. He doesn't need the reps in order to be ready to go for the season. I know, yes, he wasn't there for any offseason activities, but last year there wasn't any offseason activities until training camp, and he came in on fire. So now I think Rodgers is going to be fine, and he's looked extremely sharp in training camp so far. You know, he's dropping at 50 yards into the bucket. Throws are crisp. Throws are good. Um, I don't think he needs it. But what do you think? Does Aaron Rodgers need um, – does he need training camp? Does he need to play this preseason – my my personal opinion is no, and I think Jordan Love should get all the reps he can possibly get because it's only going to help. Um, the Packers are going to get a truer picture of how much work he still needs in live game action because, yeah, he's looked inconsistent at times during the offseason this year, but ultimately live games is the only place you're really going to tell what you have, and you know, a couple of the conversations on some of the local sports talk shows today was, you know, if Jordan Love, um, you know, who's going to be watching Jordan Love more, uh, looking to see what kind of performance he has, is it going to be Goody or Rogers, you know, kind of hinting at that feud again. But, you know, I want to see Jordan Love play well. I want to see him do well. There's a lot of talent there. And the thing is, we have to be patient, as we always have to do with young quarterbacks. We have to be patient 
with the young quarterbacks. And we get to see him in live action against another team for the first time in a Packer uniform coming up Saturday. And my biggest advice to you all, don't overreact to anything. Um, just, you know, the Texans, first of all, not a very good team. They're probably going to be competing for the number one pick in the draft next year. Deshaun Watson, obviously not traveling, and he's probably not going to play down this year with the Texans. Yes, he's at camp, but I suspect the commissioner at some point is going to add him to the suspended list. Um, so, yeah, the Texans are not a good team. Plus, you know, Jordan Love, other than family night, hasn't played, taken a, a live snap in a game since uh, the senior bowl back in 2019. So, drafted in 2020. Sorry, senior bowl in 2020. My apologies. So, just don't overreact to anything you see in the first preseason game. If Love struggles a little bit, it's okay. Young quarterbacks are going to struggle. That's why we we do play these games so we can kind of see what we still need to work on. If he goes lights out and dominates and has a huge passing night, don't overreact because it's preseason, but and we're just trying to figure out what he still needs to work on. So and before I move on to training camp as well, some training camp thoughts that I have for the Packers. I just kind of want to touch on the Devin Funches issue from Family Night as well. So, you know, Devin Funches at his press conference, um, talking to the media following Family Night, made an ill-advised comment that was racial. Um, it was a racist comment, uh, you know, kind of, uh, well, not kind of, as a racist comment um, regarding uh, the Asian, the Asian, uh, Asians. Um, very derogatory term. And first of all, you know, and here, here's the, you know, I, my, my, I have so many thoughts that I'm trying to like in my, in my mind kind of lay them out on what, how I want to say it. So first of all, what he said was wrong. It was stupid and it was wrong. However, I don't think there was any malice there. I don't think he said it to be with intent to be malice and derogatory towards Asian Americans, I truly feel he probably didn't quite comprehend what it meant. And when he got mentioned probably after the interview by the team's media people or coaches or somebody that said, Hey, you know, this is not okay. He probably realized, Oh crap. I, I screwed up. I don't want to offend anybody. And I truly don't think he wanted to. I truly don't think Devin Bunch has wanted to offend anybody. However, it doesn't excuse what he said, and right now it should be used as a learning tool, a learning uh, experience for Funches and everybody else who was watching and became aware of the situation. Because I saw a lot of people basically saying, oh, you did nothing wrong. You're fine. You didn't say anything wrong. We know you didn't, you know. He did say something wrong, though. You know, you don't, you know, you don't need to defend him. He said something wrong. He apologized for it, and now it's up to uh, Devin to show that he has truly learned from what he said, and he's going to avoid doing it again. That's up to him to do. But it's also, you know, if people are still offended by what he said and you're not, it's not your place to tell them not to be offended anymore. If you're not, if you are offended by what he said and other people aren't, you know, don't you know, don't get mad because other people aren't also offended. You know, we, we, we are our own, we're our own people. Um, I hated what Funch has said. I think it was a stupid comment and he uh, definitely hopefully learned from it. 
and we'll see moving forward. And it's not something that's going to affect the status with the team, but it's something that when you are competing for a roster spot, you can't afford really any missteps. And that was a misstep that Funches now has to rebound from. So those are pretty much my thoughts. You know, Funches um, did the right thing by apologizing about it. Um, and I would still like to see him, you know, there is some, there's an uh, Asian American uh, uh, sports reporter that covers a team as well. I wouldn't mind seeing Funches sit down with her and have a conversation with her and have, you know, really get a better understanding of why she does, you know, why, you know, she was offended or whatever. That's just my personal thing. And we don't need to know about it. We don't need to hear about it. We don't need to read articles about him and her sitting down and talking about the issue. I just think it would be a good idea, um, to be honest. So moving on to training camp, some things that I want to touch base on at training camp, starting out with the offensive line. Um, Elton Jenkins playing left tackle right now, and he is looking extremely good at left tackle right now. I mean... Everything I've read, everything I've I've listened to, I've observed, Jenkins looks like a high-quality left tackle in the NFL, which eh, a couple years down the road could come back to bite the Packers on the you-know-what because that's just going to drive his price even higher and why his future position might be right tackle, to be perfectly honest. Um, another name I've heard popping up is Ben Braden. Um, he's been playing a lot at guard and tackle, um, mostly guard, um, with Jenkins kicked out to tackle. And I guess he's been really impressive. And I think with how impressive he's been with the center from Ohio State being extremely impressive as well, drawing strong praise from Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think that it's some tough decisions are going to have to be made in the offensive line. And I said this a couple weeks ago when I brought you my show that I, I strongly feel that come end of training camp, one of the unfortunate cuts is going to be Lucas Patrick. Um, the Packers have been drafting interior linemen, guys who can play guard or tackle quite a bit in the last couple of drafts. And Lucas Patrick, you know, they need to, you know, start shedding some money for next year. Um, I think they will save two, like probably around $2 million if they cut him out. I have to go and confirm that number. But they'll save more money on the cap by cutting him than they would any of the younger guys and if the younger guys show like Ben Braden shows that he can play guard at a high quality in the NFL. Common sense says you're going to keep Braden over Lucas Patrick. So I think that's going to be a, su- a surprise cut um, coming into training camp. Other guys that have looked really good. Jay Sternberger um, looks like he's finally putting it together in training camp and in family nights running much better routes. His hands looking good. He's uh, getting good yards after the catch. Um, I'm very impressed with what I've seen about him. I've always been high on Jace. Um, Health has been his issue, and he does have to sit out a two-game suspension to start the year. But the biggest issue with Jace up to this point has always been health. Um, Foot issue, his rookie year, um, concussion last year, and now that two-game suspension. But if he's one that can put it all together – you're making a, a very good offense even more dangerous because you have the best receiver in the NFL um, in Devante. You have a really good slot receiver in Randall Cobb. Your deep threat in MVS. Your uh, start running back in in uh, in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. You have 
<clears throat> you're blocking tight end in Mercedes Lewis. And if Sternberger can, oh, then you have your tight end Robert Tanyan. And if Jay Sternberger can uh, come in and play at a high level when his suspension's over, you make a very dangerous offense even more dangerous. Think Mark Chamura, Keith Jackson, 2.0. I don't know if you guys remember how good those two played together in 95 and 96, but they both put up pretty decent numbers and defenses couldn't touch them. And Sternberger taking that next step, showing that he can take that next step, also could help you with a difficult decision following 2022. Tanya is going to need a new contract. He was a restricted free agent this year, signed his tender. He's going to need a new contract next year. If he has another season this year like he did last year, he might drive that price range out of the Packers' um, ability to re-sign for the fact that you also got Devontae Adams you're trying to re-sign, and you got Rodgers you're going to have to probably extend if you want to keep him around in 2022. So if Sternberger can show that he's ready, he's ready to take that step, he's ready to be that guy, it might make it easier to part with Robert Tanyan, which obviously would probably make Rodgers mad, but still, you know, you got, and this is why I'm glad I'm not an NFL GM. <laughs> a lot of tough decisions is going to have to be had by Murphy and, Le, I mean, uh, not Murphy, uh, Gutenkust and LaFleur this year. A lot of tough decisions going to have to be made. You know, you have 90 people on your roster right now, have to get it down to 53, then shape up the practice squad. But you have to decide what to do with guys like who I mentioned, Lucas Patrick, Ben Braden, Jay Sternberger. My next surprise for camp, now he's out with a shoulder issue, Jawan uh, Winfrey, who's been playing extremely well in camp. Uh, Dexter Williams has looked good. You're going to have a lot of tough decisions to make. And I, I'm glad I'm not the one making those decisions. I really am. Um, so... It's going to a lot come down to um, in regards to making the roster or not. Um, um, special teams is going to be key. Um, they're going to have a tough decision to make a wide receiver. Right now it's looking like it's going to be between Brown, Winfrey, and Funches for – one or two of three, uh, one or two spots for those three. And it's going to come down to special teams. Who who can play special teams? Now, St. Brown is dealing with a hamstring injury now too. Uh, Winfrey shoulder, so obviously Funch is getting a uh, uh, getting you know a step up on those guys. Um, Malik Taylor made the team last year due to special teams. That's basically what it's going to come down to. Hill from Mississippi State, looking like he can be a kick returner. Um, so his spot might be secure as well. And finally, before, before I move on to the Brewers, Eric Stokes. Um, he's 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 had a rough camp at times, but here's my here's my thing with that. He's had a rough camp at times, but I also feel that it might it's not a bad thing that he's struggling a little bit. So don't panic about it. He's having growing pains. It's an adjustment to come from the uh, college football to the NFL. And he's going up against one of the top receivers, if not the top receiver in football, every single practice. And think it's only going to make him better. Alexander talked about how it made him a better football player going up against Devontae every day, and it's only going to make Stokes better. And from listening to the uh, the, the secondary coach, um, 
He wants to learn from the mistakes that he's making, and that's key. He wants to learn. He's working on trying to improve as a player. So moving on to the Brewers. So, and again, if you're listening to the show via podcast, thank you so much. Uh, You know, you can find this show anywhere podcasts are found. If you're watching the live stream, you can go back and listen to the uh, podcast version of the show. As I said, anywhere podcasts are found. You can find me at Evan with sports on Twitter, talking sports with Evan on Facebook and comment, uh, message me, tweet at me. If you have any thoughts, concerns, you know, you want to call me an idiot or a moron, feel free. And you can also email me at talking sports with Evan at gmail.com. So moving on to Brewers, they lost two or three to the Giants. They beat the Cubs in game one of a doubleheader today. We'll see if they can get the game two of the doubleheader complete tonight. It's another seven-inning game. Um, but they lost two or three to the Giants. And... I noticed a lot of panic on social media and a lot of how are we going to get by these guys in the playoffs? These, you know, we don't stand a chance against these guys. They are head and shoulders above us. Like they just outman us. Well, you know, Matt Pauly, who I work with at times for one of my other jobs. And you know, I, I think he's great. Um, great, uh, great, great host of Brewers extra innings, Brewers warm up, Brewers weekly on 620 WTMJ. Um, And I completely agree with him on this when he says it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing. Um, You know, you you can come out looking more positive with how they played against the Giants. And I agree with him completely. So the Brewers had Cousins, Strickland, um, uh, uh, Hater, all on the COVID I.L. Um, Axford, who they got for a dollar, um, he's out for the year. Um, a lot of their, a lot of their bullpen guys, and then Yelich uh, came back. Uh, Want to say Saturday against the Giants, or was it Sunday? But anyway, Sunday against the Giants, he was able to come back Saturday, and they kept him out until Sunday. They had a lot of guys on the IL, especially COVID IL, and guys that they depend on heavily, heavily coming out of the bullpen. Um, so they won Friday night in extra innings, a walk off by, um, Rowdy, who's been a great find by David Stearns. And I still don't get why people question Stearns' ability to find talent because Adamas, Rowdy, Escobar, they've all exceeded expectations since coming to Milwaukee. But you, you get by the Giants in game one in extras. Game two, Saturday night, the Brewers should have won in the ninth. It was a play in the field that 99 times out of 100, Avisil Garcia makes that catch. 99 times out of 100, he makes that catch, and the game's over. Unfortunately, he didn't make the catch, ends up being a triple, tying run comes in. And then Sunday, they're, stro- they're forced to use... Curtis, who played pretty pitched pretty well both Saturday and Sunday, even though he did give up a walk on uh, on Sunday, and then Norris in high leverage situations. Who, let's be honest, they both haven't looked great since coming to Milwaukee. Norris threw one bad pitch after walking the leadoff guy to tie the game, and then Boxberger gave up the winning run the next inning. I want to say in the eighth, but. 
if you have Hader, Cousins, Strickland, you have those guys available. Your bullpen sets up differently too. I I feel fairly confident stating that if the if the Brewers had their full, if the Brewers were at full strength during the series against the Giants, at worst they take two or three against the Giants. I honestly think they sweep the Giants. Um, just look at the way they played them. Um, pitching they pitch better than the Giants. And it just came down to that the COVID issue that the Brewers have been having caught up to them. Ultimately, that's what it was. The COVID issue that Brewers have had caught up to the Brewers, and that's why they lost two or three against the Giants. And I don't want to take anything away from the Giants. They're a very talented baseball team. That's why they're over 70 wins, best team in the NL. Don't want to take anything away from the Giants. But at the same time, this is a good Brewer baseball team. They're not that far away from the Giants. They're not that there's not that huge of a gap between them and the Giants. The Brewers come playoff time, if they face the Giants, it's gonna be a tough out for the Brewers. You know, it's gonna be a tough out for the Giants. It's gonna be one hell of a series, probably going seven games to determine who gets to the World Series. And I'm here for it. If they face in the playoffs, I'm I'm entirely here for it. There's not that big of a gap between the Brewers and the Giants. There's really not. Um, Cubs and Pirates coming up this week. They beat the Cubs uh, four to two in Game One of a doubleheader. Um, play the Cubs again uh, uh, pretty soon, actually. Yeah, pretty soon as we speak. Seven oh five first pitch for Game Two of the doubleheader, and then they got a game Wednesday and Thursday as well. Then they play a three game set against the Pirates in Pittsburgh. What are my expectations? So I expect at least three or four against the Cubs. The Cubs might steal one, but I expect at least three or four. Pirates, I expect at least two or three. Perfect world, you sweep both. You sweep the four-game series against the Cubs. You sweep the three-game series against the Pirates. That's in a perfect world. But, you know, there's always a chance the team might steal one. And with the Brewers starting rotation suffering right now with Bauer and Hauser both on the COVID IL too. You know, I talked about the bullpen guys on the COVID IL. Didn't even get to the starting pitchers that are on there. So... I expect at least three or four against the Cubs and two or three against the Pirates. And if I don't, if I don't get sweeps, I'm okay. Because here's the thing. You got to win series. If you get sweeps, that's awesome. But ultimately you have to win series. And that's what, that's what matters to me. That's what's important to me. And if you win series, you're going to most likely be able to fend off the Reds who are now at six games back in the division. Hopefully it can be seven back after tonight um with the cup brewers beating the cubs in game two of the set of the of the uh double header and the braves beating the uh beating the reds hopefully it's a seven game lead again for the brewers but right now there's six games up and as long as you continue to win series between now and october you're not going to give up your division lead doesn't matter what the reds do just take series take two or three take three or four um at worst, if it's a four-game series, at worst, split it. Um, now, so can Willie Adamas win the MVP? Um, Will Salmon from The Athletic had an article, and if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, I highly encourage and recommend it. They typically always have um, big deals and specials and sales on for um, for people to sign up. Um, but I, I highly recommend 
uh, the athletic Will salmon, um, great writer, um, Eric name, great writer. They have some great guys at the athletic covering the local teams here at Wisconsin. Jesse temple covers the Badgers. Great writer. So I highly recommend it. So can Willie Adamas. So, and, you know, Peter completely agree. Got to get guys off the COVID list. And I think once we get guys off the COVID list and guys get healthy, you know, this team is a legit World Series contender. And people that question that, you just got to get over it. They are. They're, they're a legit World Series contender. And one of the biggest reasons why, Willie Adamas. So when they made the Willie Adamas trade, full disclosure here, I questioned it. And, I, you know, I know I just said, you know, David Stearns, don't question him when he makes his uh, moves. He tends to always work out in his favors most of the time. I questioned it because, you know, at the time, you move Orlando Arcia because you want to basically give the position to Luis Urias, who hasn't shown that he can play shortstop at the Major League Baseball level, and he still hasn't, let's be honest. Um, when he's a shortstop, he tends to commit errors. Um. Then you trade for Willie Adamas, trading one of your better relievers and one of your young up-and-coming relievers to get Willie Adamas and um, another another relief pitcher. Brewers at two games under 500 at the time. And you, you, your question, like, now you're overreacting to Urias not taking hold of that position, and you give up a very valuable bullpen piece in order to get um, a shortstop. Well, let's be honest, wasn't lighting the world on fire either, you know, especially at home. Well, I've been wrong. I definitely was wrong on my thoughts on Willie Adams. He has done nothing but show that he is the MVP. He has brought energy back to that clubhouse. It looked like they lost some energy when they moved on from Arcia, who for his struggles at the plate, you know, his defense was good and he brought a lot of uh, energy and the chemistry is good, but Adamas brought it too. He brought the energy back. He brought the chemistry back. You know, he's always the first guy over the fence when a guy hits a home run, jumping, you know, the high five, jumping into their arms, a la Rowdy Telez after his walk off. The Brewers were two games under 500 um, before he got there. And as of the article that Will, uh, Will Salmon wrote earlier this week, they uh, since May 22nd, they were 45 and 23 since the trade for Willie Adams, and that basically now they're 46 and 23 since the trade for Willie Adams, and they're 46 and 23 mostly because of Willie Adams. The pitching's been good. The starting pitching has been great with Peralta, Corbin Burns, uh, Brandon Woodworth. The, the pitching's been great, but what they were missing on offense. Willie Adamas has brought in 67 games and 282 plate appearances with the Brewers. He has hit 293, 376, 554 uh, slash line, 15 home runs and 45 RBIs with the Brewers. He's now at 20 home runs on the year after his home run today. Um, he asked people who um, write for baseball, uh, baseball writers of, uh, of uh, the you know people that vote for the NL MVP, and they agree that he definitely deserves. He's a legitimate candidate. He definitely deserves consideration. And I get it. Like giving having him win it 
isn't going is going to be difficult for the fact that he didn't start the year with the Brewers. Um, but since May 22nd, Adamas is uh, war is the best in the NL, edging Fernando Tatis and 40 fewer plate appearances than Adamas. Um, he obviously is probably going to have another 250-some plate appearances. Defensively, he's been solid. Um, since joining the Brewers, he has a 930 OPS, which is eighth in the league among batters with 100, 250 plate appearances. Um, he's just, he has been a godsend to Milwaukee and been clutch too. Comes up with clutch home runs, clutch hits. Um, he's definitely, like I say, he's definitely a guy that deserves, um, consideration for MVP. And I don't think he's going to win it. Um, for the fact that came over in May, um, I don't think he's actually going to win it. I'm willing to admit that, but I just think he definitely should win MVP. And the Brewers also have three legitimate guys who could win the Cy Young, too, in uh, Peralta, Woody, and Burns. Unfortunately, I think they're all going to take votes away from each other, um, so it's going to be very hard for one of them to win it. Um, but they're definitely in position to have the best three, three, uh, three-headed monster going into the playoffs with those three. Plus, Adrian Hauser has been outstanding at times. Uh, was pitching great before having to go on the COVID IL. Brett Anderson, when he can stay healthy, has been re- dependable. Eric Lauer has been dependable. So pitching wins in the playoffs. Hence another reason why I think they have a good shot against the Giants or the Dodgers or the Padres or the Braves or the Phillies or the, the Mets or the Reds. The reason why I feel that way is because pitching wins in the playoffs. So final thought, um, I'm going to talk some Christian Yelich, but I think I'm going to table that. See, see, see where we're at this time next week with Christian Yelich. He's leading off in game two of the doubleheader against the Cubs. Let's see where he, we're at next week with Yelich. Because I want to kind of touch base with the Bucks. I saw a lot of people upset with Bucks ownership. Um, with their GM following the draft because they traded the 31st pick for um, two later picks in the draft. And to be honest, they drafted two guys that I don't don't even know. One guy's from Greece who I've heard isn't very good. And I don't know what the other guy from Seton Hall can be. Um, But ultimately that's what they did. Free agency opens up and Bobby Portis returns, which is huge. I love Bobby. I have to get a, a Bobby uh, underdog shirt. Love Bobby Portis. But then they let P.J. Tucker go. P.J. Tucker goes to the Miami Heat. And it sucks. It truly sucks that Tucker left. He, you know, and it's not for his performance on the court per se. He changed a persona in the Bucks locker room. You know, the Bucks were not tough enough before Tucker got there to overcome adversity and win in the playoffs and win games when it mattered. They get down a little bit, be able to come back. You know, look at, was it game game four against the Suns, I want to say? Was it game four? Where the Bucks erased a 16-point lead in like two minutes. Um, they erased a 16-point Suns lead in like two minutes or something like that. I don't see that happening um, without P.J. Tucker. But here's the thing. I, I don't think that toughness now goes away with P.J. Tucker leaving. I think Giannis has learned from that mentality of Tucker. I think uh, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. I think those three will be able to continue 
that dog mentality enough that they're going to be okay. And then you look at what the Bucks have done in free agency as well. Um, the guy they got from Boston, he's a younger, you know, basically I heard, he, you know, I've heard the refre- uh, example of he's a poor man's PJ Tucker. Um, meaning he, uh, he can kind of do what PJ Tucker does, but probably not as great as he does, but it, you know, he's younger version. He can, you know, shoot a little, you know, has more options in a shot probably can contribute a little bit more offensively as much as I hated him when he played at Duke. Grayson Allen, he's a guy that's going to come in and can be a key contributor, going to get a lot of wide open looks. Um, can Jordan Wara take that next step, which he looked pretty good in the summer league game yesterday. Great shooter, but he has to learn. Uh, um, I think he, you know, he's a great shooter, but I think uh, he just needs to be more fu- more fundamental, uh, f- fundamentally sound all around. And I think the Bucks depth wise is deeper. So they had seven, sometimes only eight playable playable guys in the playoffs after the Heat series. They could go a little deeper in the bench with the Heat, but after that Heat series, you're starting five. Bobby Portis, Pat C is pretty much the only playable guys you had. And Bobby Portis wasn't playable at all against the Brooklyn Nets. It was your starting five and Pat C. That was it. Bryn Forbes got thrown in there occasionally to miss shots left and right. Um, Teague was not good at times. So I think George Hill uh, is an improvement over Teague as your number two uh, point guard. I think Allen is a step up, uh, to be honest, over Forbes a little bit. Um, Probably more consistent. Um, Forbes couldn't play defense. Allen is a pretty solid defender. Bobby Portis is comfortable in Milwaukee. He loves Milwaukee. He wants to be in Milwaukee. And uh, I'm assuming Thanasis will be back um, as well as uh, the season two. But I like the Bucks lineup. And Peter, <laughs> Patsy, does he need to play less? Yes. Does he need to go? I, I don't think he needs to go. He He... He doesn't do any one thing great, but he is just a key portion, a key component to the team chemistry there. Um, him and Giannis are close. Um, he's a better athlete than people try to give him credit for. And he's a guy that's a very, very high energy guy off the bench. Him and Dante, they pester you. They get their hands in the passing lanes. Um, you're going to need Pat C to be that offensive uh Rebound guy, uh, even more so now that P.J. Tucker's gone. That's one thing Pat C. does extremely well, especially coming off the bench, is grabbing those offensive rebounds. Um, I think he has a nice role in Milwaukee. Where Pat C. gets in trouble is when he tries to be something that he's not. Um, I want to – was it game – I want to think it was game five. After he had a pretty good game four against the Suns in game five, he started shooting the ball too much. Um, he, he, If he has an open look, yeah, you want him to take it. But ultimately, he has his role in Milwaukee. When he plays within that role, he's fine. It's when he tries to do too much is when you when you lose him and when you got to pull him out. Um, would I prefer him having less minutes in the playoffs? Yes. But without guys like Pat C, without guys like Bobby Portis, without P.J. Tucker, the Bucks are not the 2021 NBA NBA uh, 
champions. And <laughs> he did miss a lot of points. Um, and he threw up, threw up a lot of shots that were just silly. But like I said, as long as he stays within his role and doesn't try to do too much, I think he's a fine rotational piece. You, you were able to get by with six or seven playable guys in the playoffs this year. Um, when you look at what other teams are doing in the NBA right now, I think it's going to be very difficult to get by with that again because a lot of teams are improving. So with that, um, thank you all for those watching live. I appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, you can, this is going to be linked on both my Facebook and Twitter. Um, so you can rewatch it. Otherwise, probably within the next hour, hour and a half, it will be on anywhere podcasts are found. Um, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Anchor, wherever. So with that said, I will get back at you all next week talking NFL more, um, the NFL in general, not just the Packers. going to be talking about the NFL in general now that we're going to be a weekend to every team's preseason um, games. So, um, so Lakers pickups before I go. Um, I think the Lakers did a good job of improving the depth of the team. Um, Westbrook, I think, doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, he's another guy. If he plays within his role, he can be solid, but he's not a great defender. He's not a great shooter, but he can attack the rim. He can distribute the ball. Um, I think him, uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be fine together. I think the other guys they brought in, the, the issue you run into when you have so many guys in their 30s, the body doesn't recover um, as quickly as it used to when you're in your 20s. I'm not even an athlete, and my body doesn't recover as quickly as it used to than it did when I was in my 20s. I can't even imagine for a guy who plays 20 to 40 minutes of basketball a night having to go back the next day or two. So the the Lakers are really going to have to manage minutes quite a bit with LeBron, Westbrook, um, Camelo, and company. They're going to they're gonna have to really manage the minutes that they play. Um, but I'll get more into that next week as well. Um, just uh, <laughs> need to get going now. Um, but like I said, I'll be back next week. You can re-listen to the whole show anywhere podcasts are found in about an hour. Or you can just rewatch this stream. Appreciate you all listening. Thank you, Peter, for the, the interaction. And I will talk to you all later.